In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Hey, uh, I don't know if you remember me. Um, we used to uh, we used to do a, a podcast together. Mm. You sound familiar. Yeah, I have a podcasty sort of voice. Yeah, that's right. You do. You sound like that guy from Dateline. <laughs> Keith Morrison. That guy. Yeah. No, I don't think I sound like Keith. Oh Morrison. no! When I hear your voice, I immediately think Keith Morrison from Dateline. Interesting. And then I think murder. <clears throat> well, we used to do a podcast for for a, a few years actually, uh, Is it where that I long? we watched my 100 favorite movies and we talked about it. Oh, that's right. Yes, Craig's I do. Craigslist, it was yes. called. Yeah, I'm Craig Kikowski. I'm Carla Kikowski. Oh, okay. Yes. We're married. Yes, we're married. We see each other every day. Yeah. But we haven't done this podcast in, in a while. In years. In a while. 1,000 years. Exactly 1,000 years, I believe. Hello, Craig's listeners. We're back. We are back. Who's back? Back again. Now, do you subscribe to podcasts where they're maybe dormant for a while and then you keep the subscription active, but then it's exciting that maybe they drop an episode when they haven't been around for a while? I do, but I don't notice when they drop an episode. Because you have so many podcasts in your feed. I don't totally understand how my podcast app works. (laughs) (laughs) This is a separate issue, I guess. This is a totally separate issue. I have a lot of technical issues. And it's mostly – it's less because I'm old and don't understand and more because I'm lady, lazy and won't figure it out. And because you're lady. And I'm, I'm a lady who is lazy <laughs> and old. All of which to say that I hope there's still some Craigslisters who are subscribing to Craigslist <laughs> out of – I'm going to say sure there are. <laughs> out of naive hope that one day, one, one day. day we might drop a secret – special episode. Hey, we get those tweets every once in a while. There are still people who want it. So nice. So nice. And a pandemic happened. That that happened. Though we did do a few episodes during the pandemic where we did Halloween movies. That was fun. We did Thanksgiving movies. We found three of them. That was fun. We did Christmas movies. And uh, we did a best of 2019 episode. We had always done a best of the year where we do our top – each individual top tens, top ten performances. We do like our Oscar picks. We didn't do one for 2020 or 2021. Why not? Well, Carla, I think the world changed. People aren't listening to podcasts anymore. People were not listening to podcasts. No, I think they still were, but they weren't going to movies. And 2020 especially was a weird year for movies. So 2020 was the year that SAG finally picked me to be one of the voters. And there was zero. There was nothing. I mean, there was like, no thing. What was that one movie about the um, woman who lived out of her van? Nomad Land. There was it, and it was truly a Nomad Land of movies that year. The Oscar winner for Best Picture, as a matter of fact, was it? It was. Oh, I don't even remember. Remember, they had the ceremony at Union Station, and it was like there was oh, only yeah, like yeah. fifty people there. That's right. And everybody thought Chadwick Boseman would win, and it went to Anthony Hopkins, and then everybody just left. 
Was that this last year or that was no, two that years was ago? No, that was the 2021 Oscars two years ago. And he wasn't even there. Anthony Hopkins wasn't there. No. He's so cute on Instagram. I can't get mad at him. You love Tony Hopkins. I just, his Instagram account is the cutest. He's a good follow. He's a good follow. He's a good friend. <laughs> well, we're not here to drop names of the many showbiz people <laughs> that we are, we are close with. Uh, but we are I do here. have a friend who is real life friends with him. And it's a much younger friend that Anthony Hopkins like mentors. And I will tell you his name afterwards. I had no idea about this. This and is not is one of the things that we talk about wild in our daily lives. During the pandemic, I noticed that this friend of mine, who was maybe five or maybe 12 years younger, I have no idea, but he was liking all the same posts I was liking. And it was just like us two out of all the people I knew who were liking Anthony Hopkins. And I messaged him I'm like, I love him too. And he was like, yeah, we know each other in real life. He, what? he goes to lunch with me and he gives me advice about my career. What? So nice. That's insane. Yeah. I can't believe you've never told me that. Well, I'm excited to tell you who it is afterwards. Okay. But uh, we definitely did not go out to the movies in 2020. Of course not. At all. Our favorite local chain, Arclight, closed down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel, truthfully, like I haven't caught up to all the things from 2020 or 2021 that I meant to see. So really? I actually – I do have, of course, a list. I always have a list. I have a top 25 for the year, always. Always. Uh, but I still feel like those years are kind of incomplete. 2022, on the other hand, I felt like we were going back to the movie theater a little more often. Yeah. We're pretty on top of the Oscar movies, me more than you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always, though. And we definitely have enough raw material to make a top 10 list yes. of movies and performances each for the year. So my first movie back, if I'm remembering correctly, was Death of Death on the Nile. Death on the Nile. For Valentine's Day. Was that Valentine's Day Yeah, I took you out for Valentine's Day. We went to the Americana at Brand uh, in Glendale, which is now an AMC theater. It was a Pacific theater (laughs) before. (laughs) You're a big (laughs) Kenneth Branagh fan. Huge. We we liked Orient Express. We went to see Death of the Nile. I liked Death of a Death of a Nile. I want to keep Death saying. of a Nile. <laughs> the Nile, the Nile is murdered in it. It's weird. I never thought you could murder a river. Who would murder did. a river? There's got to be a finite <laughs> amount of suspects. Joni Mitchell, um, because she has a song called. River. I, I got the reference. <laughs> uh, we got there, and it was just us and some teenagers who, in the middle of the day, were hanging out at the mall, which was weird. And then so we decided to move to the back because they were being loud. There were a lot of talking teenagers. Yeah. And as we go to the back, I realize there are two people in the very last row. Full on. Having sex. Fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Now I can't remember if it was a BJ that it appeared to be happening or if it was a full on uh, intercourse. I think you saw more than I did. You gave me the impression that it was full on intercourse. (laughs) But I'm also very uh, dramatic. <laughs> a sexual act was taking place in the last row of the movie and then theater. We, we sat there because – and you didn't know it was happening. And I was like – and then after about five minutes, I was like, we have to get out of here. And so we did. Well, we finished the movie. We went back to our original seats with the talkers. With the children who were there skipping school. So that, that was not a great harbinger of what – being back at the movies post-COVID would be like. No, that was terrifying. But I think on our lists 
that we're going to unveil. We do have ones that we saw in a movie theater, in a crowded theater with a lot of people. And at least for me, that was one of the reasons why I liked some of these movies was the experience of going back and seeing movies in public again. Yeah, I missed the majority of these in the theater. Most of these I saw from home that are on my list. And so that's a bummer. And I am going to make a pledge to be better about going to the movies this year. But here's the thing. I was always this way. And since the pandemic, I'm even worse about being around people in public. Meaning every little thing pisses me off. Mm -hmm. I don't even like people eating popcorn. It bugs me. When you eat popcorn, it bugs me. (laughs) (laughs) I freaking love popcorn. You do. I, I mow down on it. Yeah. And it's very loud. Yeah. And I ha- and I, I really don't like it. <laughs> but I do think the etiquette has gotten worse and worse and or are we just more sensitive? That's what I'm wondering if I'm more sensitive. Uh, maybe both. Yeah. This is why I really hate that Arclight is closed because I think it was a little pricier than your typical movie chain. Uh you didn't see a lot of kids or teens there, sometimes none. Um you could go see a movie on like Wednesday at 11 a.m. and be, you know, one of the only people in the theater. There were giant, gorgeous movie theaters, comfortable seats, assigned seats. They would show no commercials, just three trailers and yeah. the movie. Now it's AMC and it's like a half hour of commercials, 10 trailers, which is way more right. than you want to see. Way more. And way more. people who are kind of wandering in and out, talking, mm-hmm. eating, and they don't give a shit. So it's not good. Yeah. Uh, it's not a good experience. I don't love that. You want to, Carla, you want to get into our top 10 movies for the year? Yeah. We should say that if you hear some weird noises in the background, it's because Benny is going to town. Remember Benny? He's still with us guys. I don't know how, but somehow he has more energy now than he's ever had in his very long life. (laughs) (laughs) He's just trying to kill this stuffed animal on the ground. I think when he hears us get excited, he then wants to play. Mm-hmm. And I think we're excited to do we're this excited. podcast. We're excited to talk about movies. Uh, first, what, what did you think overall of the year in film 2022 of what you saw? Okay, so I have an interesting response. I had a feeling you are going to ask this because you and I have had several conversations about how incredible this year was for film. I thought, or at least I was saying that. <laughs> In our conversation. I think it was a good year. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed, like, I loved a lot more movies this year than I have in quite a while. But then as I sat down to make my list, I was like, I've barely seen anything. <laughs> so maybe there's a lot of just okay movies or mediocre movies. I've maybe only seen 15 new movies this year. But the things at the top, you have really strong feelings about it. I do. Yeah. And so my experience is that it's been a great year in film. People who have seen more may disagree, and that would be a fair, perhaps. I mean, I think it's better to see five movies you feel really strong about than 30 movies you thought were solid. Yeah, you know? yeah, totally. I also abandoned, as I was looking through the list, I abandoned like three, four, five movies, maybe. <laughs> like I started watching them and I was like, I'm not, this is not, this is not for me. Yeah. I mean, especially at this point in time, this point in your life. You know, you know what you want to spend time on and you know what you don't. I tend to be a completist. Like if I start something, I usually will finish it. I 
rarely will bail on a movie. If I'm really having a hard time with it and I'm streaming at home, I might break it off into like 45 minute chunks, like right. stop it and then come back to it a little bit later. Uh, I guess several of the movies that I bailed on were ones you were watching and I kind of came in and I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> well, I wonder if we'll get into some of those. Okay. Uh, but do you have anything that's like an honorable mention, something that didn't make your top 10 that you want to shout out? Well, yes. I really enjoyed Scream. <laughs> scream? Was there a Scream last year? Yes. Okay. And... There have been many Scream sequels. Which Scream was this? I think it was just called Scream. Okay. I should look it up. Was Nev Campbell in it? Yes. But there are younger people in it too. Okay. Courtney Cox came back. I think I've at this point seen all of the Screams. Um, Oh, no. This was – sorry. Oh, wait. This is – oh, wait. There's one showing right now. Is there a new one? There's a brand new one out this week. Oh, wait, maybe this one was from 2021 then. <laughs> well, you liked it. Was Shoot. it streaming only? Hold on. Let me see when Scream 5 came out. Hold, pl- No, it says 2022. Okay, good. Phew. Got real nervous. It came out January 14th, 2022. Does and how count? did you see it? I must have saw- seen it streaming. I must have watched it in October. Okay. Uh, but Jenna Ortega's in it. Who Wednesday. I love from Wednesday. Um, and I just thought it was much better than the sequels prior to that. Okay. Um, and Wes Craven is deceased, so he yeah. no longer has anything to do with it. Correct. Yeah. And it was just like, it wasn't trying to trick you as much, I felt like, as the other ones were. And it was just kind of enjoying its, or, or even play. It was like nodding to some of the, um, you know, silly tropes or whatever, but it wasn't like relying on them like the previous ones had. So that would be my honorable mention. I thought that was a fun movie. And okay. Here's my criteria. Would I watch these movies again? And I would definitely watch that Scream sequel again. Yeah. And now I know, now that I know there's a newer one, I have to go and see it. I do have one honorable mention, which is my number 11 movie. And so I just feel bad that it didn't make the top 10, but it's called The Balcony Movie. Okay. And it's a documentary in Warsaw, Poland of a documentary filmmaker who just set up a camera on his balcony and had conversations with people who passed by. Oh. Uh, and it actually, it was before the pandemic that he started doing it, but it feels like it's very much part of our pandemic reality. Yeah. I.e. of like kind of reaching out, wanting to have connection with people, but you need to maintain your, your distance. And there's a lot of one-offs and then there's a lot of people who kind of come back and he has like regular conversations with them. And it's like funny and moving and interesting in equal measure. There's things that feel specific to Polish culture. There's things that feel universally true and that the whole thing you can watch it on mubi that's not a real thing mubi (laughs) m-u-b-i which is a are you saying mubi mubi (laughs) uh it's a channel for foreign and art films Hmm. uh but i highly recommend the balcony movie all right i will watch that that sounds interesting to me also if we included shorts i might include my year of dicks uh, yeah, really which is a, a nominee for best animated short this year. You can easily watch it on Hulu and it's about, uh, a teen girl in the eighties, nineties, 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 uh, just dealing with, uh, her sexuality and the, the, the boys who are not, 
uh, ideal mates. Yeah. And it's just lovely and funny and like lots of like, uh, different types of animation to, yeah. uh, for it the different It does a great chapters. job of capturing, um, that dynamic between teen boys and teen girls and expectations on both sides and how those expectations are rarely met. <laughs> And I think it'll just be fun at the Oscars if somebody has to yell out, the winner is my year of dicks. <laughs> uh, so what's your number 10 movie for the year? My number 10 movie is Living. My number 10 movie is Living. What? Living. Are we going to get married? <laughs> I hope so. All over again. <laughs> so Living. This is with Bill Nye. Yeah. I can't believe it was also your number. I thought it would be higher for you. I liked a lot of movies, but I liked this one a lot. We watched it at home as a uh, SAG award screener. We both cried a lot, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's a remake of the Akira Kurosawa movie Ikiru from the 50s, written by Kazuo Ishiguro of uh, Remains of the Day fame. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let me go. Um, he's one of my favorite authors and – I didn't realize he wrote the screenplay until we sat down and started watching it. Otherwise, I would have watched it sooner. <laughs> it's very faithful to the Kurosawa, uh, but it's kind of transposed to England, to London in the 1950s. And, I mean, who's better for this part than Bill Nye? I It's exactly the kind of movie I love, which is I'm such a weirdo, like, Anglophile, like, into – watching British people not be able to express themselves for some reason. <laughs> I just find it fascinating. Um, and so as soon as it started, I was like, oh, this is so in my wheelhouse of things that I enjoy watching. Much like Howard's End or Remains of the Day or basically anything with Emma Thompson <laughs> where she can't express her feelings. Yeah, you know, he's a bureaucrat in his – 60s or 70s who you know finds out that he's dying and doesn't really have any connections with anyone and has to kind of figure out like what kind of person he wants to be at the end of his life yeah and it's uh it's just beautiful and he doesn't yeah i'm not gonna ruin it but okay i I appreciated the story in the same way that i do the before sunrise movies where it's like very like simple little things that people are doing in their lives. Like they're not trying to change the world necessarily. It's just like these little celebrations of everyday life and understanding that that's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my number nine movie is the Banshees of Inish Aaron. Okay. I suspect you might have it higher. I do. Do you want to talk about it when we get it yes. to it on your list? Okay, great. My number nine is Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Leonard Cohen, A Journey, A Song. Yep. You knew the whole thing. Yes. That's the full title of the documentary. I liked, I didn't, did not make my top 10, but, uh, we watched it together. Uh, I liked it a lot. I did too. Um, I would watch it again. It met my criteria, criteria. <laughs> so it's, it's a documentary specifically about the Leonard Cohen song, Hallelujah, and all the, and the origins of the song, the different incarnations. Everybody, I think, knows the Jeff Buckley version mm-hmm. and, and how it's like, it's become like an American standard, but it's kind of interposed with, uh, just kind of the history of Leonard Cohen's career and yeah. the arc of his career is really interesting also. I love anything that has to do with songwriting and, <laughs> 
and is like a better version of behind the music. And that's what this was. <laughs> it really kind of gets into the weeds. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think, you know, you'd have to be at least a mild Leonard Cohen fan or at least curious about the song. Hallelujah. To want to spend ten, two hours on this. But- I don't know that I know many songs beyond Hallelujah. And I was very intrigued the whole time. Yeah. I thought it should have been a uh, an Oscar nominee for for a documentary. Yeah. I was surprised that it wasn't, uh, but I believe you can watch it streaming on a Netflix. Uh, What's a Netflix? A Netflix. <laughs> Number eight for me is a movie you did not see called Bones and All. Oh, do you want me to say my number eight now or wait? Uh, let's talk about Bones and All. Okay, go ahead. So Bones and All is uh, is a movie about cannibals. <laughs> That's right. You said I would like it, except for like 10% of it. You would like like 85% of it. I think you would like a lot. Uh, the the beginning of the movie, we're following this teenage girl and she's like an outsider and like maybe like other girls are making fun of her a bit at school. She and her dad kind of live in a trailer, like their life like doesn't look great. She gets invited to this sleepover with some other teenage girls. Like you're wondering of like, are, are they going to like mean girl her? Is this like a carry situation? But then they appear to actually like, like her and are connecting with her and they're kind of joking around and everything. And then this, she and another girl kind of go under the, the table and you're like, Oh, they're getting like more intimate and closer with each other and, and stuff like that. Are they going to make out or something of like what, what's happening? And then she reaches over and bites the girl's finger. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so it's just like this great like shocking introduction to this character so it's kind of it's not really a zombie movie it's more like it it kind of pot i think it's based on a novel maybe a ya novel okay though if it's ya it's pretty extreme it's pretty wide. um but uh, it kind of posits that like cannibals like live among us and <laughs> they can identify each other by smell. And then she ends up like uh, meeting Timothy Chalamet. Are who's you sure a, you want to spoil this? Who's another person like her. Oh. And Mark Rylance is yeah, kind of the villain of it. He and spoil, he's really. He wants to spoil it for y'all. He's really uh, <laughs> creepy and, and weird. And it's by uh, Luca Guadagnino, who made uh, "Call Me by Your Name," the Italian say, filmmaker. I was going to say it sounds. Um, oh no, I was thinking it sounds. It's not the same movie at all. I was thinking it sounds like that vi- vampire movie. That was actually Swedish, maybe. Uh, you're talking about "Let the Right One In." Yeah, yeah. Call me by your name. Let the right one in. Sure. Same thing. So I will say that there are graphic scenes of people eating people. Okay. In Bones and All. But beyond that is like a great coming of age story with an incredible heroine and, and love story behind it. So like Ooh. I was riveted by this movie. I found it like moving and terrifying at the same time. Well, I'm curious. Maybe I'll watch it. You could look away during the eating parts. Yeah. Maybe you would just tell me, here it comes, here it comes. And then I could close my eyes and my ears and my mouth. Deal. So I don't become a cannibal. What's your number eight movie? Megan. Megan. I think technically that may have been a 2023, but... uh, Well, I looked it up and it said it came out in 2022. Okay. Well, I'll allow it. Wait, maybe I'm wrong. I will allow it. But I looked up a list of 2022 movies and it was on there. Love it. Um, love it. Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. Um, 
Yeah, it says 2022 when I look it up. So I think probably because that it played festivals, maybe. Oh, or, okay. Um, but yes. All right. Well, that's I'm, number eight. <laughs> we're counting it. Why? Why? Why are you including Megan? Um, I just thought it was really um a really fun horror movie. It was much funnier than I expected it to be, and I was just on board for the ride. The director is the guy who made, I think it's called Housebound. Oh, yeah, which I really liked as well. That Kiwi comedy about a woman who's like uh, stuck with her mom in her childhood home and she's under house arrest and they think there's a ghost in the house. So, yeah. You know, when we started seeing commercials uh, for Megan, we're like, oh, this looks like, like a cheesy good time. And then kind of realizing of like, oh, the filmmakers are in on the joke, too. It's as much of a comedy as it is a horror movie. Yeah, I thought so. And, and it, it was, was a PG-13 really horror movie. Yeah. It was like, uh, I don't know, it had an interesting point of view on our culture as well as, you know, good horror movies usually do. Um, yeah. And I thought the performances were pretty good. Um, that little girl... Not Megan, but the other little girl was great. Yeah, she's really good. I mean, Megan was good too. <laughs> she's from Haunting of Hill House, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then there's an image of Megan coming down a hallway that I'll never be able to forget. <laughs> that was so creepy and wonderful. It's definitely like I could watch that movie like every Halloween till the end of yeah, time. Yeah. Till like, the end of time. That's a long time. It's a rewatch. Uh, I mean, that's like seven years, right? Right. Let's be realistic. We're getting there. My number seven movie, The Fable Men's. Ooh, woof. So that was one that I watched half of. Did I get halfway through it? Not even. You watched like 45 minutes of it. It felt like I watched three hours of it. And I was so bored. <laughs> I was like, Craig, this is not for me. And then he said, you're not even getting getting to my favorite part yet. And then I said, okay, Craig, I'll finish it. And then I lied because I never finished you- it. Will you? Will you finish it? I don't know. Not that now. Now that I'm reading other reviews about it, it feels like people are on my side and don't really like it that much. <sighs> Do you even like Steven Spielberg? Well, this is a good question. Yes. I mean, do I think that Steven Spielberg knows how to direct a movie? Yes. Am I like emotionally moved? Usually, do I like have to see any more movies by Steven Spielberg ever? Probably not. Like, I feel like he's told his story. (laughs) Unless he does something so out of the box. And I know he did for a while. I mean, obviously Schindler's List was a huge, you know, change for him or whatever, but that was 30 years ago now. Like, I, I don't know, like move aside, dude, let somebody else make a movie. This could be his last. I mean, I think this is the story he's always wanted to tell about his family and, his, and his his origin story. It's probably not going to be his no. last. There's another Indiana Jones coming out. Yeah. I mean, and when you're that famous and that beloved, you don't just like – you're not going to be like, I quit. I'm not doing this anymore. He's going to keep making movies forever and ever. I will say that I think I was equally maybe skeptical of where the movie is heading and what it was doing at the, at the point that you stop watching the movie. I think that Judd Hirsch scene is the worst part of the movie. Yeah. Actually, like I don't understand why he got nominated, though I, I love Judd Hirsch, of mm-hmm, course. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you had a problem with Michelle Williams' performance. Which is something I never – I always enjoy Michelle Williams. I always do. And I was just like – I do not buy one thing that this lady is saying in this whole movie. She just sounded strange. <laughs> she was moving weird. 
I knew immediately seeing the movie that that performance was going to be divisive. Really? Uh, and it feels like it has been, though, though she was nominated. I think the movie has a cumulative emotional effect that if you watch it all the way through, like it does pay off. And then the ending scene, the last 10 minutes or so are so good that, uh, it really like sends you out on a, on a good note. Uh, I don't think the Fable Miz is a perfect movie, but I think as like Spielberg's origin story and as a big fan of his, and of course, like the Janusz Kaminski yeah. photography is great in it too. The young kid who plays the teenage version of him, I think is a, is a reasonable, you know, approximation of young Spielberg. Like, uh, I, I really was moved by it. All right. <laughs> Maybe I'll finish <laughs> but it. But no obligations. What's I mean, your, yeah. What's your number seven movie? My number seven is. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> You're going to hate this. Enola Holmes part two. What? <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it. I thought it was even better than the first. I would watch it again in a heartbeat. I think the writing is really good. I think it's a really clever take on a Sherlock Holmes story, which we've seen one bajillion times. Is that what it's called? Enola Holmes part two? I think I think so. Or Enola Holmes two. Enola Holmes two. Okay. I think it's really well cast. Um, it was a movie that was put out on Netflix though, so it's like you know whatever. Is it really a movie? Right. Well, it's like you can't really. I don't know because I didn't see it in a theater. <laughs> but it, the action's great. Um, it's a female lead, and she's fun, and it's funny, and there's a lot of action in it. It's a kids movie. Sure, but I was entertained. I mean, I'm not holding it up to some of the stuff higher on my list, but I only saw 15 new movies last year. And so that was one of them that I really enjoyed. I saw it. I think my attention wandered quite a bit during it, but I was watching at home, maybe doing other stuff. But you watched like, it, which I was shocked by. I don't know why you watched it. I liked the first one. I thought the first one was better. Hmm. Um I think I thought the mystery for this was maybe a little convoluted. Um, but I like that Millie Bob, Bobby Brown has something like more lighthearted to do. Yeah. You know, just cause, uh, like I'm not strange. even a huge fan of hers. Sorry really? to interrupt you. Yeah. Like I think she's fine. I don't think that she's like the greatest. Um, I just think it's really fun. It's a fun kids movie. All right. Enola Holmes too. <laughs> What's your number six? Glass Onion. Glass Onion. This would be the sequel to Knives Out. Um, I have it a little higher. You want to talk about it in a little bit? Sure. Okay. What's your number six? The Menu. Ooh, interesting. I have that a little bit higher. Okay. Um, what's your number five? Well, okay. This is where it gets a little hard for me. Okay. I really loved five movies this year. And if you were to ask me, depending upon the day... I would probably pick different ones. So you start talking and I'll quickly put these in order. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you that my number five is She Said. Okay. Sure. I'll, I think I'll that's in that your top too. five. Yeah, I'd say number five is She Said. Although when I watched it, I was like, this is the best movie of the year. You love a journalistic uh, righteousness I movie. Do. I do. I, lo I love all the President's Men. I love Spotlight. Those movies are fantastic. I get real excited and I want to punch somebody in the face afterwards. Now, why did this movie 
work so well because I think there were ways it could have gone wrong. And it feels like it's this is, you know, about the New York Times reporters who uncovered the uh, the Harvey Weinstein uh, scandal uh, with kind of diligent reporting, talking to dozens and dozens of women who were sexually assaulted by Weinstein. Um, it also was covered by other outlets like The New Yorker. They do acknowledge that Ronan Farrow was also covering it at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this movie has Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan are the, play the two real life reporters who yeah. did the story. I could see this being like a 10 episode Hulu series that would be excruciating. It probably would have gotten more. It might have, you know, which is like the world we're living in right now. Right. Which is like these really long, far, far, far too long. Mini series are getting more notice than some really great films. And I'm going to throw this out about, she said it's the, the screenwriter. She's a, a British playwright, the director. She is a, I think German filmmaker. There's something about, I don't know. It, it felt like the people who made it were not going a Hollywood route with it. It felt yeah. a little more maybe like, not like a European art film, but it just had, I don't know. It was, it was one of, it was the most efficient script. It was so efficient. It was very simple. Oh, that's, that's exactly the right word. Cause I wanted to say simple, but that's not, that's not right. It's not a simple movie, but it's just, it's fast. It gets to the point. You, it, there's never confusion about what it's, what it's trying to do, you know, it's like very clear. It's a very clear movie. <laughs> it gave you just enough about the personal lives of the two main reporters yes. to get a sense of like, okay, she's this and she's this. Uh, but it didn't really get swept up in that. It, it painted it just so efficiently. And every scene is very purposeful. Like it doesn't feel like there's any fat to the script at all. Like even when Carrie Mulligan's walking down the street to go to, I think she's going to work or something. And this man just like full in full on runs into her and she just like keeps going. It's like, that's just, it's just showing you a woman's point of view every day in their life, which is like, yeah, I can't tell you how many times men just kind of like run into me. And it's not that they're not apologetic or whatever, but it's like, they just never noticed that I was there, (laughs) you know? And, and is that heavy handed? Maybe from some points of view, but I thought it was actually very efficient in that it was telling us what the story was without even verbalizing it. I'm in an acting class and have been for about a year and watching, she said there were so many scenes. I'm like, Ooh, that's a great acting class scene. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you could just pluck so many scenes out of this. Uh, and they would stand on their own as just like a, is a great scene. Not that scene though. There's, they don't say anything in that no. scene. No. <laughs> That would be weird. Don't like, do that scene. I'm going to walk and then a guy's going to run and cut me off and then you just cut the camera. And then you just keep going. Uh, I mean, there's a scene with Samantha Morton. She comes in for it's one amazing. scene exactly that's just riveting. It's one of the best scenes of the year, I think. Uh, what about the scene where Carrie Mulligan chews out the guys at the bar who are kind of hitting oh my on God, them? It's like, so cause good. she's been like storing up like all this rage, like, all this rage, just working on this story and just hearing like all these horrific stories. Uh, well, she's also what, coming off of the Trump story, like her character yes. where, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so well done. Um, and then Ashley Judd is in it and she's playing herself and she's like showing us what she kind of went through and the risks that she took to, to stand up to th- that monster and, you know, come out and say like something terrible happened to me. And 
when other people much more famous and well off than she was, they weren't able to do that. And I'm not judging them necessarily, but I'm just saying it's like such a brave and, and it shows her and it's really cool that she played herself and everything. So I think if you've been holding off on, she said maybe because of the subject matter, which is, I think is understandable or because maybe, you know, there is something about like the, the modern movie ripped from the headlines that like feels a little like medicine of like this, I mean, if this was medicine, it felt like necessary medicine, but I think it was riveting as a movie and there's so much good acting in it. Andre Brower yeah. uh, is great. Like you'll just, you'll just be rooting for these reporters and uh, so like on the side of righteous anger watching it. So I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. What about number four? Uh, well, what's yours? Cause then I'll, I have women talking. Which is a good companion piece to She Said. I think mine is The Menu. The Menu. So I had The Menu at number six. Uh, we saw this in a theater around Christmas time with some friends and a pretty full house. And this was a great movie to see with a crowd because it's just a classic thriller. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a really kind of unique blend of like satirical, uh, satirical comedy and thriller. Yes. And with a central performance by Ray Fiennes that's just out of this world. Yeah. I had no – I didn't read about it. I didn't know anything about it. I was just like, oh, this sounds interesting, whatever the logline is. <laughs> and I just enjoyed it from top to bottom. I just thought it was so funny and so absurd, but also like kind of strangely relevant. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, and I thought all the performances by all the character, by all the supporting actors were so fun and it was just very well cast and another very efficient movie. Like it just didn't feel like there was any fat. <laughs> Except on, on the, the beef. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and what else? That woman whose name I can't remember, the actress in it, the main actress. Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah. Of the Queen's Gambit. Yeah, I always like her, but sometimes I'm like, okay, um, what's going on? <laughs> but this, I thought she was actually much more relatable than I've ever seen her hmm. before. I thought she was a good match for Ray Fiennes. I did too. In it. Yeah. Yes. They worked very – the chemistry was really fun. There's also Nicholas Holt, Hong Chow, yeah. uh, John Leguizamo, Judith Light. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Or no, it wasn't Judith Light. It no, was. it was. Oh, okay. Um, Wasn't it? Yeah. Judith Light. Yeah, it was. It was Judith Light, the wife. And uh, my friend Peter Gross plays the sommelier yeah. in it. And it's a small part, but he got laughs with uh, with every single thing. It's not even really a small part, though. Like, he's in it the whole time. He would have worked the entire time. That was Janet McTeer, not, uh, not I'm, Judith I'm Light. I'm talking about Judith Light. She was great in it, too. Oh, Judith Light was in it. Yes. And Janet McTeer was Yeah, Janet McTeer was the critic, and Judith <laughs> Light right. was the wife. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sorry. And that guy who plays her husband is so good, too. Reed Burney yeah. is his name. They're all – it's like a – it's just an acting class. No, it's a master class. That's what I'm trying to say. And, like, really fantastic actors just doing their thing. So you had Menu at number four. Mm -hmm. I had Women Talking. I have Glass Onion at three. Okay. So I must have liked it. A you little better have. than you. Yeah. Um, I feel like 
Knives Out was pretty universally beloved. I feel like a fair amount of people were disappointed in Glass Onion. Just surprising to me. And I think here's my counter to that is maybe the conditions under which we saw it were so fun. Yeah. Because we saw a screening at the Samuel Goldwyn Theater, which is the Academy's screening room, with Ryan Johnson and most of the cast, except for Daniel Craig, who I think got COVID last minute. Oh, yeah, that's right. He got sick. Did a talk back afterwards, but we saw it with like a a thousand people. It was so fun. It was wildly fun. And the movie is such a wild ride. Yeah. And it's so funny, but also surprising. It was, absolutely was the movie to see with a crowd. Mm-hmm. And I can understand for people who maybe just saw it on Netflix while they're doing other stuff around the room. And I think also like the satire in it, the social media stuff is maybe pretty broad. You know, maybe yeah. it goes a little broader and more cartoonish. That was the big thing that I heard from people who didn't love it as much was that it was too goofy, I think was the thing people were saying. I think the first one has that central relationship between Ana de Armas and, uh, you know. Captain Von Trapp? Captain Von Trapp. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what his real name is, but <laughs> Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer. Uh, so I think you, you have like a great relationship that you're kind of rooting for yeah. there. But I thought Glass Onion was, was just as much fun. I did too. I really, they're so different. They're such different films. Um, I could see how maybe Glass Onion would get on some people's nerves because it is jokier. There's more jokes per page probably. Kind of in a surprising way, but I laughed at most of the jokes, so I really enjoyed it, and I loved the performances in it. I thought it was so fun. I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know what was happening. It was really enjoyable. I can see how this is going to get old, though, now that we've seen Poker Face as well. Yeah. I really – we love Poker Face. I'm so I'm so on the Ryan Johnson train right now, but but – He's going to have to keep reinventing himself, which is a kind of a tall task, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's always the challenge of like, do you only have like a finite amount of moves? Yeah. And, you know, they're all really good moves right now. Um, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> I did think like Benoit Blanc seemed to like get a little more depth in this one. And oh, Daniel yeah. Craig like seemed to like enjoy playing him even more. I just thought like they have even more of a sense of who this guy is in the second movie. So I thought that was promising. I agree. Yeah. What's your number three? Okay. I can't decide on the top three. There's no order for me. Okay. So let's talk about women talking. Okay. So which one is that's number three for It you? was number four for me. Okay. So let's say that these next three movies are my favorite movies of the year. And that Craig will tell you the order of his. Okay. okay so Women Talking is one of my top three movies okay. of the year. And we mentioned Banshees, which we, we still need to talk about. Yes. So. so let's talk about Women Talking first, I guess. Um, It's Sarah Polly. It's about a – do they expressly say that they're Mennonite or if like it's just no. a particular colony of, uh, of people, a religious sect uh, where – there's been uh, a sexual assault in all of the women uh, of There's the been town. Many, yeah, many, many sexual assaults of the women. Yeah, uh, all the women. The men are away, and the the, the women are in a a barn, mm-hmm. uh, talking about it. While one man from the colony kind of like takes a dictation of of what's happening, and so you have like everything from teenage girls to elderly women who are all kind of like sharing their experiences, and like it amounts to. 
Like it could be very stagey. Mm-hmm. It, it was not a play, but it certainly could have been. It was uh, a novel. Yeah. It was a novel. Uh, but I think Sarah Pauly like really like opens this up and makes it feel very cinematic. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I mean, people are, some, some critics are saying that it's not cinematic enough, but I actually think it's very cinematic more so than some of the other movies that I've seen this year. It was for me. Yeah. And I also think like there's a, a moment early on where one of the teenage girls is like, ugh. This is so boring. Yeah. Like it actually has a sense of humor it about itself. Like it almost like makes that joke so so you don't have to see it in a way. And it wasn't boring at all. Like no. and a lot of it is literally just debate, like moral and ethical debate. And but but it's all like from from very specific points of view um, amongst these women. Like everybody has kind of their own version of how they feel about it. And I think that's what makes it so compelling is that, you know, mirroring kind of what's going on in our own culture, which is nobody can agree on anything. So therefore nobody wants to be in the same room together. Well, this is a group of people and in this circumstance, women specifically, but who all feel differently about what happened or feel differently about what they need to, how they need to react to what happened. And yet they're still coming together and sitting together in this room to figure out their way forward. And so it's like an, it's kind of like an allegory really for like where we are, I think in our society and like what we maybe need to do to all move forward. Well said. I voted for it for SAG ensemble. Because to me, it's like the, it's the ultimate ensemble yes. film. I really couldn't single out one performance above any other. And some of my favorite performances are like, there's certainly some big names in there, but like some of the teenage girls and some of the older women, I had no idea who the actresses were. And like, I responded just as much to those characters as to Claire Foy or, uh, yeah. Rooney Mara, you know. I saw it, um, at a film festival and Sarah Polly was there, um, and did like a Q and A after. And so, the room that I saw it in obviously was very excited to see it. And there was a lot of laughter throughout. Like people were like, yeah. not like bad laughter, like, you know, celebrating those little moments of humor with the story, you know, it was really, and then, and then I watched it with you at home. And so it was like, I was so grateful kind of going back to that idea earlier of like, we need to see things in the theater. It's still important to be in a community sometimes when you experience stuff like this. And that was definitely a, a movie that I was grateful to have seen with other people. Because it gets human behavior and human relationships. And yes, it's about ideas, but it was boiled down to basic human emotion and interaction. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's something that another movie that's up for Oscars this year that I thought also was about ideas did not do. Right. For me and, uh, and pissed me off as a result. We're going to talk about that, right? We might. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, uh, Anyway, she wasn't nominated for director, which is a huge bummer. She's great. We've liked everything she's done. Yeah. Yeah. Away from her and uh Story of Us? No. no. Is that what it's called? What was what was the story of us? Stories we tell. Stories we tell. Everything. We love it. And uh, take this waltz. <laughs> take this waltz. With Michelle Williams. Yeah, who was good as from that? From the Fablemans. Yeah. Um Tell me about the Banshees of Venice Sharon. What did you like about that? I loved this movie so much. It's so hard because there were so many movies I loved this year, but this one is just the premise makes me laugh so hard that it's these two grown men living on this island 
in Ireland. When is this? Like 80 years ago in time, right? And one of them just decides to stop talking to the other. And then the whole movie is just the other one trying to win back his best friend. <laughs> and it's so, it's such a funny premise because it really flips the idea of like masculinity or what we perceive of as stoicism and like, you know, what it, sh- what it means to be a man at that time in that location and like really flips it on its head. And they're, they're just so vulnerable in it in a really kind of funny way where, and you don't really know why he doesn't want to be his friend until like halfway through the movie. And then when it's revealed, it's so simple. It just makes me laugh. The performances I thought were so funny. And I'm, I'm fine with Colin Farrell, but I'm not a huge fan, but I thought he was amazing in this movie. Like he was so relatable Everybody's been in a situation where they've liked somebody more than the other person has liked them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And yeah. like felt that desire for like, oh, I just wish this person, this popular, the popular kid in school would like me. Why won't they like me? Um, and he really leans into like all those insecurities that you have from like a child up to, you know, like I still have those insecurities as an adult. Um, and does just all the things that you would never do in real life. But he does them in this movie, and it makes me laugh. It's a sweet, simple story. You are kind of a sucker for grown men behaving childishly for some reason. Really, like in both like a, a comedic and a dramatic setting. Like yeah, that's a, a. I've noticed that a pattern that uh, oh, that's that funny. you tend to enjoy. I haven't noticed that, but I believe you. I had this at number nine. I liked it a lot as well. It maybe was a little too like allegorical and mysterious mm. for me. Uh, but I love the performances in it. I don't think anyone would want to live on that island, but anybody would love to see that island right. because like it's Beautiful. so gorgeous. I mean, it's a made up island though, right? Yeah. Uh, but filmed on a real one. Right. Inish Aaron, I think is not real. Um, but just the, uh, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson just have a special chemistry yes, with yeah. each other as well. Uh, and what's the woman's name? Carrie? Carrie Condon. She's so sweet and like heartbreaking and tough. And like she has to kind of <laughs> tell the guys what to do and how to behave. And it's just such a funny role reversal. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have mixed feelings about Martin McDonough, maybe bordering on negative. Because I hated Three Billboards with Which a passion. Which I liked. We you talked liked about it. it on this podcast. I yeah. really liked it. But uh, but this, I think, is, is far superior to that. Okay. So that means your your other top ten movie uh-huh. would be Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yes. Which is my number, number two. Oh, it's my okay. number two. Wait. How come you have one more than I do? I don't. What was your number one? Tar. Wait. Did we talk about all my movies? I'm confused by the number. Okay. Okay. I you, you, you tell me. What are your movies? No, I believe you. I believe you. You have uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Is my I guess my number one, although like really the top three were my number one. Glass Onion, Women Talking, She Said, The Menu, Banshees, Living, Yeah. Enola Holmes, Scream, and Hallelujah. No, not Scream. Oh, not Scream. That was my honorable mention. Megan. Megan. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. They all fell asleep. They turned the channel. That's how this works. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. Everything. It feels like this, we're recording this the day before the Oscars 2023. 
And so I hope by the time you listen to this that everything everywhere all at once will have been crowned the Oscar winner for best picture is yeah. maybe and maybe a bunch of other Oscars as well. I'm I knocking wood so. right now. I hope I hope they win across the board. Yeah. That'd be exciting. If in 20 years from now nobody's going to be like, "Oh yeah, remember when they remade All Quiet on the Western Front?" you know? Yeah. Uh it will just look It'll still look cool 20 years from now if this movie is the best picture for the year, you know, just because I think it just took people by storm. And when we saw it, like maybe back in March. Yeah, it's been a while. It was a while. We saw it in a theater uh, at another theater that we love in L.A. that is no longer open, the Landmark Theater Mm -hmm. in in Westwood. Uh, We were like, oh, man, I hope people remember this Michelle Yeoh performance. Like, we thought maybe, you know, maybe she might possibly get a nomination. So to see, like, the groundswell of support that it's gotten. And I know we're preaching the choir. You've all seen it, guys. Right? Like, everybody loves this movie, don't they? Yeah, I think so. I don't know anybody who – oh, I guess we have – some strange friends, maybe. <laughs> My mother was more confused by it than, you know, oh, I think yeah. maybe it's a generational thing. I can see that, yeah. Because clearly these filmmakers grew up on music videos and video well, games. They directed mu- music videos and commercials and yeah. stuff. I saw a Writers Guild um, Q&A with many of these writers, and the two guys were on the panel, and they were totally adorable and delightful and hilarious the whole time. And I just was like, oh, I hope you all win everything because they were just so – they just looked like they were having a good time with it all. Like they're not taking it too seriously. I mean I'm sure they are to a certain extent. But it was just really fun to see like these guys talk about how they were just shooting commercials a couple years ago and – you know, I mean, they did another movie. What's the name of that movie? You didn't like it. I really did not. I gave up on that movie halfway through Swiss Army Man. You didn't finish it. No. <gasps> I hated it. Wow. <laughs> and I found it exhausting. And I also thought this movie was kind of exhausting, but in a good way. And again, like, it's, yes, it's mile a minute. It's like metaverse, you know, multiverse. Like, it's silly, it's weird, it's like it's in your face, but it's grounded in human emotion. Like, you care so much about this family, and, like, it was truly moving, and then there's all these other bells and whistles and action going on around it, but it's almost like a satire about everything that movies do to us and every type of genre and cliche of movies that are out there, and so... Like, she just kind of comes to appreciate her own, like, relatively humdrum life by experiencing all Everything, these- everywhere, all at once. Yeah. <laughs> it's very similar to living in that way, actually. <laughs> I'm serious. In the lessons. Yes, in the lessons. Yes. In the theme. The tone is slightly different. Oh, yeah. I they both say. get there in completely opposite ways, but both characters kind of come to these realizations. There is that one scene where Bill Nye has hot dog fingers, but that's about the only parallel. It's a little confusing. Yeah. So, Carly, you did not see my number one movie of the year, I Tar. Did I meant to, for real. I totally meant to, and I had, I was, I had reservations to go see it with a Q and A with Kate Blanchett. My friend canceled at the last minute, and then I got too lazy to drive by myself. <laughs> And then I was going to watch it from home, but every time I went to sit down and watch it, I was like, it's three hours long and I have so much to do with my life. No, it's like two and a half, I think. 
I was like, it's six hours long and I have so much, I have to watch Poker Face still <laughs> this week. <laughs> but I, I honestly, and there are many movies that this year that I did not intend to watch ever, but this one I did intend to watch and it fell apart for me. You will get to it at some point. I will. Okay. But please don't spoil it. Well, this is another one that I have to say. I saw it back in October in the movies with my friend Sean. Hi, Sean. Uh, Hi, I'm sure Sean. he's listening. Uh, we saw it with a full crowd and opening weekend. Uh, and like, it's not exactly a crowd pleaser, but like people were reacting to it. And I, I don't know for sure whether you will like it or not. I think at the very least you will find it interesting and worthwhile. Okay. Uh, I don't think you'll be bored by it. It may make you slightly angry. Uh, my sister and brother-in-law started watching it and were kind of like texting with me. Uh, they're about 40 minutes into it and they're like, we're watching Tar. What is this? And are you sure that you liked this? And do we have to finish it? I'm like, well, like this, like she had some questions for him. Like, this is what's going on with it of like, you know, if you want to push through, like, uh, you know, but if you want to give up, that's fine. They pushed through. They really did not like it. And then for the rest of the week, they kept texting me theories, <laughs> questions, you know, so, so it of like provoked a response. It is that yeah. movie that will stick with you for a while. Yeah. Like you will be mulling over like all the ambiguities and what is it saying and what is it not, you know? So I, I like that, that there's a movie that's that thought provoking and, provocative in like maybe maybe turning some people off and uh, and annoying people but i think uh, she's just like a magnetic central character anti heroine uh you don't really like her but you can't take your eyes off of her well at the same uh panel todd haynes is at that panel todd field Sorry, I really like Todd Haynes, right? That's the guy who did um Far From Heaven. Yes, I Carol. really Todd Field. Is it Field or Fields? Todd Field. Todd Field. Todd Field was there and he he is a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> so that may have turned you off slightly of watching No, he, he wasn't like a weirdo, like a mean weirdo. He was just an odd duck. And I was like, and and like just him sitting next to the other two guys. <laughs> it's like these, these, you know, filmmakers couldn't be more different. So I, I am, I am curious to see Tar based on that kind of like human interaction that those guys were having in front of an audience and how just weird he was. <laughs> I'm excited to watch it again with you and maybe get your quotes. You're going to watch all six hours again, huh? Yeah. I loved all six. <laughs> Okay, let's talk performances. Okay. So we, we have each of our top 10 performances for the year. These are all gender and supporting lead, just all mixed together. Do you have any like honorable mentions that you want well, to Well, here's talk what I about? want to say about my list this year. Um, these aren't necessarily like the, what I think of as the best performances of the year, but these were all fun, memorable performances sure. for me. That's all, that's all that matters. Okay. Yeah. Cause like there are some that, you know, of course now I can't think of any <laughs> where I'm like, that person's gonna, oh, like Michelle Yeoh. She's not on this list, but she's amazing and I hope she wins is, is my point. Okay. So this cool. is more just like fun randos that I enjoyed. 
this this is why I like doing this because I do tend to start you know to mostly have the things that are kind of like up for Oscars and stuff like that. I think my list will reflect that. But you go wild card with this a lot more than I do, and you always have really interesting choices well, we'll see. that surprise me and and make me you know rethink maybe some you know we just respond differently to stuff. Yeah. So for honorable mention, I have Hong Chao, who I thought was incredible in two movies this year, The Whale and The Menu. She was completely different in both. Now is when I can reveal that I hated The Whale. <laughs> and that was the movie I was thinking about that's like, it felt like a play. It felt like it's about ideas. Uh, but, but you it, liked the performances. For the most part, like, I thought that Brendan Fraser did the best that he could given that script. I thought the backstories were unnecessarily convoluted you know mm. i didn't really like the stuff with the teenage kids like mm. i didn't that didn't work for me uh but did i like samantha morton and brendan fraser and especially hong chow in it yes i did and i'm so glad she got nominated i worked with her briefly uh on uh the show forever on amazon she was very nice uh and then the menu she's like the maitre d uh, who's like Ray Fine's like right hand woman. She's like, uh, like just the right tone for like a creepy thriller. Like, uh, so good versatility there. I have Hong Chao on my list for the whale and the menu as well. For both. Yeah. Yeah. In your top 10. Yeah. Oh, cool. But it's like one spot in my top 10. Yeah. I have the entire cast of women talking who I kind of talked about before. Couldn't Is this the- your list or are you doing this honorable, honorable mentions? Okay. I forgot to do honorable mentions. That's this. all right. Uh, this is just because I'm greedy. Yeah. Uh, I hated Elvis, but I gotta give it up for Austin Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how do you play Elvis? I don't know, but he managed to do it, and like I believed every second of it, and he was charismatic and authentic. Uh, I gotta. Are you still doing honorable mentions? Yes. You're doing all of the stuff on my list. <laughs> With your fucking honorable mentions. Okay. Do you have Daniel Craig? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. Well, Daniel Craig as uh, as Benoit Blanc. Uh, Taylor Russell, she's the lead in Bones and All. This and- is still the honorable mentions? Yes, Carla. <sighs> um, <laughs> See, the list means nothing. It, the order of the list means nothing. The list is an absolute good. <laughs> the list is life. <laughs> okay. I just want to say that I think Taylor Russell is going to be a star. I believe you. All right. What else was she in? Anything I saw? Not that I know of. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, let's get into your top ten. Well, then. you just did half of them, so. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> What's your number ten? Carrie Condon. She's great. For the Banshees of Inish Sharon. I think she's awesome. What did you like about her? Well, she's kind of the heart. Uh, she's kind of the brains of the movie, actually, because these men are idiots. Yeah, leading with emotion. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wish, I hope they show the scene. They'll, they'll, uh, they'll have to bleep out the the f word. But when she's like, "You fucking men," you know, <laughs> uh, it's just so great. And that scene with her and Barry Keoghan, where he yeah uh, proposes to her like is just heartbreaking like she's just the adult in the room yes in this movie and it's ju- uh, i am impressed that martin mcdonough in like this movie kind of about male ego uh gives the best part to uh to a woman and the best speeches to a, a woman in it and she just nails it yeah great 
I like that one. She's not on my list, but I agree with you. She she could be on my list. She should be. Number 10 for me, since you already said it, is Hong Chow. Okay. <laughs> In the wheel of the menu. <laughs> Check plus. Anything I didn't cover? Um... Well, I did see the whale and really like it. And I saw it at a film festival in a room full of film nerds. And Darren Aronofsky was there. And so it was like a big deal. And so perhaps I got lost in the moment because pretty much everybody that I like in my real life did not like that movie. <laughs> um, Everyone on opening day showed up wearing fat suits like all these whale heads. Come on. That's pretty funny though. Um <laughs> Yeah, and then so that was kind of like before the um kind of like pushback against Brendan um Fraser playing a fat person. Um and like reading some points of view from people in the fat community, I I yeah, I felt bad about that. <laughs> because well, you know, there are a million reasons that you can Google and read from people who yeah. are in that community and not me. <laughs> um, I am so conflicted about the, the idea that actors can't do certain things. Um, and I wonder if that's my age and if I just need to kind of like let go of that and just allow, I don't know. I, Gosh, I feel like we're talking about something controversial and all of a sudden I'm nervous because I don't want it out in the world. But I think I tend to like fall on the side of the people who are upset just because it's like, well, there's a million people in the world and (laughs) why upset anybody on purpose? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. But I also have listened to Brendan Fraser talk about the the role and I thought – and I was really moved by his performance. So something I'm still kind of trying to work through in terms of like how I feel about all of that. And I – yeah. Okay, that's that's what I've got <laughs> to offer. <laughs> I'm we, surprised the gay community is not more up in arms about it because if anything, it's more offensive to them than to uh, to fat oh, people. Oh, right, right, right. Because he's he's gay in it. Yeah, and he leaves his family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just feels like it's an old trope of just like the tragic gay sure. love story. You know, and maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe. Yeah. But I actually I thought he did his best to play a real human being uh i i thought i was moved by his performance i think even as the script annoyed me yeah but hong chow number 10 on your list yes can we erase that part (laughs) you're like nope that's not how it works carla um just because i haven't decided how to how how i feel about it yet i'm still kind of reading and trying to understand What's and and not- I thought that she was really great, by the way, because she was she was kind of the grounding force in that film. Similar to the role that Carrie Condon plays in Banshees. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And she's probably the most realistic part of that movie in terms of like the caretaker and the person who comes in to help somebody. Um, like I know a lot of women like that in my life who show up um, when things get bad and just kind of bear the brunt of – Men's mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> you talking about yourself? No, but I'm talking about my mom. I'm talking about a lot of people I know. My aunt, you know. What's your number nine performance? Um, 
Well, you should say yours because mine are not in order. I have Brendan Gleeson for Banshees of Inisherin. I love him. I loved him in that movie. Love him, love him all the time. Um, I'm just gonna go with with the next one that I see, which is Austin Butler Elvis. Okay. <laughs> I agreed. I didn't. I did not like Elvis. I saw Elvis with a couple of our friends who I really like and have so much fun with and really respect and always enjoy talking about art and things with them. One of them loved this movie and I was just like, I don't understand. The other one seems more medium on it. Um, and, and I was like really trying to find the good in it after we left. And the only thing I could come up with was that Austin Butler was really good. <laughs> I think he may win. It's going to be – it's kind of tight between three guys for lead actor. Yeah. Uh, I think he's got a really good shot and I wouldn't object to it. He was wonderful. I mean, I think you're exactly right. How the hell do you play Elvis? And like also if you're in a movie with Tom Hanks and you're like the best part of the movie, like you must be amazing because Tom Hanks is amazing. So not in that movie, but <laughs> – and then Brendan Gleeson, uh, I think it's the timing is kind of bad for him this year because like Kiwi Kwan is like such an overwhelming favorite, deservedly so, just because his story is so great. Yeah. But people have loved Brendan Gleeson for 30 years in yeah. everything yeah. and he's never been nominated before. I can't believe he's never been nominated. It seems absurd. And like, of course, he just knocks this part out of the park. And like that, this feels like it would normally have been like the year for like a career achievement Oscar for him, but for something totally deserved. Just to be clear, I want Colin Farrell to win for best actor. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll get into that. We'll, we'll do our Oscar picks. Oh, we will. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, number eight for me is Janelle Monet. Okay. I have Janelle Monet on my list. So we'll okay. put her at number eight too. <laughs> okay. She probably would have been a little higher for me than number eight, but. So this is for Glass Onion. Yeah, I think she's great in it. We can't really talk about the performance without spoiling the movie. I imagine a lot of you have seen it, but she will say that she has to show sides of her character that you didn't initially expect and you rethink her character as the movie Mm -hmm. goes on and you see the performance kind of like growing in depth throughout. Yeah. And you're just really rooting for her and then like the ending is so satisfying. Mm -hmm. Like – and. I think she's just having a blast yeah. playing this role too. And she's so charismatic and just totally – it's just an, it's just a pleasure to watch her perform. I mean in anything really, but it was really fun to see her. I, I didn't realize she was the lead and then she it's she clearly becomes the lead and like really the heart of the story. Um, she, she's kind of the stealth lead because her character is like not talking very much during the first half of the movie. Yeah, and then exactly. like she slowly but surely becomes the lead. Yeah. She's really great. Uh, number seven. Go ahead. I have Stephanie Hsu for everything everywhere. I loved her. I meant to put her on this list, but I didn't. A lot of great performances in that movie. So it's hard, hard to pick one. She's the daughter. She's yeah. And it's kind of, I kind of think, I think she should win over Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, we're going to talk about it later. <laughs> well, she, she won't. She's nominated. You know, yeah. uh, there's other people who are more favored than her. Unfortunately, she's too too new and unknown. But, but what she did in that movie, the hardest thing, was the most challenging thing. Like she is simultaneously again like the heart of the movie and then the, the villain. Yeah, and it, it's incredible. And the the way that she shifts in and out of character is amazing. I I'm a huge fan. Huge fan. 
Who do you have at number seven? Oh, let's go with Andre Brower for She Said. <laughs> we mentioned him briefly. He's the editor. Yeah. Uh, this is one of my wild cards, but he like every scene that he's in in that movie, he like totally takes control and he just like fucking lays it out to Harvey Weinstein. Like, this is how it is, bro. <laughs> like, fall in line. <laughs> it's think, really inspiring. I think what he is actually is not, he's not the editor. He's like the lawyer for the New York oh, Times. Oh, that's right. right. You're right. Yeah. The other guy's the editor. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the other guy again? I forget. It's another famous actor. Anyways, but he's like, he just kind of like tells Harvey how it is. And it is really satisfying. And I just wanted to high five him. So I felt very moved by his performance. <laughs> I was too. Like he, it's, it's such a small part, but he's like so important to it. I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, Patricia Clarkson is their editor, right? Oh, I thought, I thought that she was just like the over their, over, their manager or whatever. Oh, okay. I guess there's a woman can't be an editor. Well, no, but like there was somebody who was clearly her boss. There was another guy who was, I thought he was the editor and she was like there. Yes. I don't, I don't know. I think that's speak. Frank Wood is the actor who plays yes, that, who plays yes, that yes. role. He's good. Yeah. Um, cool. Number six, I have Bill Nye. Oh, I don't have him on here, but he was great. I'll go with, um, well, I'll, I'll do, who will I do? I'll do Zoe Kazan from She Said. Okay. Another six. She Said. Yeah. I mean, what's her face is great. She's always great. But I haven't seen Zoe Kazan in that much, and I just thought she was very believable and very relatable and very um, – like when she finally gets Ashley Judd to say that she'll go on record, like I just was crying <laughs> based on Zoe Kazan's reaction and how re- how much relief she felt. It was just inc- very believable, I thought. You just really get the sense of her balancing her personal life mm-hmm. and – the demands of her job and then the specific horror of this story that she's covering. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. She just felt like a real three-dimensional person with a work and a home yeah. life. And in every scene, you saw the weight of everything that we know about her. I agree. And I also think she did such – I'm just realizing this now as we're talking that she did – what's the other actress's name? Carrie Mulligan, right? Yes. Carrie Mulligan's like the more experienced reporter, or at least that's how they per- portray her to be. Yeah. And in this, Zoe Kazan isn't used to having to go after um, – like what are they called? Not a witness. Uh, sources. Sources in, in, the, in the same way that Carrie Mulligan is used to it. And so you get to see her kind of struggle with – Having to be, having to in, kind of invade people's personal space and make mistakes <laughs> and make mistakes. Yeah. And like how guilty she feels for, you know, making those mistakes. And th- I would feel the same way. Like I would be very nervous about it. And I thought she did a nice job with that. Mm. Okay. Number five, I have uh, Ki Hui Kwan. For which one? For everything everywhere. Oh, duh. Yeah, of course. Um, formerly short rounds. Right. And right, right. A goonie. He's wonderful. I have no qualms with that. <laughs> He'll win, right? I think he is easily the favorite for best supporting actor. I really hope he does. He gave an amazing speech at SAG that made us cry. Yeah. Uh, he just was out of the game for so long. I think he was working in the business in other aspects. Uh, he was a stunt man for a while, did some stunt coordinating. So I believe he does most of his own stunt work in this movie, which looked very demanding. Yeah. Um, Chunk, by the way, is his 
entertainment lawyer. In real life, I They're love still it. close friends. I love it. And, and he, so I guess he negotiated. Chunk from Goonies, in case you're wondering what that means. And what was his name in Goonies? Um, Data? Yeah, Data. Yeah. Data. Data. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, shoot. I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Keep going. But he's also the heart of this movie. You know, you yeah. like. Oh, now I remember. Okay. Wh- whoever gets to play. It's such a fun <laughs> written part. And then like when he gets to be like the dashing kind of like James Bond type stuff. That's what I was going to say. When he plays that character or when he plays the character who's like at the movie premiere in the other timeline. Yeah. You can really see his versatility because he's like a leading man in it. <laughs> yeah. He's like very debonair and like suave and. It's really fun. And then he's also the nerdy guy who does the books for yes. the, uh, for the laundromat. Yeah. You know, and he's still got like that boyish voice that he had as a kid. You yeah. Know? And he is just, just adorable. Uh, but like you're just really rooting for this guy. And, uh, I was very moved by his performance and I, I hope he wins. I do too. Number four, I have Colin Farrell. Wait, how many do I have left? One, two, three, four, five, six. Why do I have six left? <laughs> I don't think you've been coming to me. <laughs> All right, let's go. Um, I have Colin Farrell on my list too. Okay, you've you've not ranked them in any order. No. Okay. <laughs> He's wonderful. We were, I already talked about why I liked him. Why did you like him? I just think when he first came out, like Hollywood didn't quite didn't, what know what to do with this guy like mm-hmm. he was kind of like a leading man that didn't really work he was kind of like an action hero like that didn't really work right either and now he's kind of entering his character actor years and really showing his range and he just had such great versus uh, uh versatility but vulnerability yeah i agree in this as well and like there's just so many like oh yes moments where you're feeling for this guy and he keep he cares so much about brendan gleason he keeps poking and poking and you're like don't poke the bear <laughs> yes, and so he does you know you, you, uh and uh his relationship with his sister is where very well drawn his relationship with the donkey is yes, well drawn. Yes. like i don't know i i bought it more low status characters from Colin Farrell. That's what I've learned. Low status, yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay, next. Number three, I have Ray Fines for the menu. I have Ray Fines on mine too. You s- sounded like you were going to do a lot of curveballs, but it seems like it's a lot well, of the I have same. four left. Okay. That we have One, not two, talked three, about. Three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, nine, ten, eleven. Oh, I had one too many on my list. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. No, I'll take off one. Okay, so oh, I want to hear everything you had. Okay, keep going. The menu was a clever script, but I think if you got a lesser actor than Ray Fiennes, it would not have worked nearly as well. I just think he got the tone mm-hmm. of this perfectly. Like you bought this guy as a real, like eccentric gourmet chef, but also he is. A thriller. He's like a Bond villain mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a way, but he also is kind of like a satirical figure. Like there was such humor and playfulness in his performance as well. And I think my single favorite line of any movie this year was, uh, we can do a cheeseburger. <laughs> that was very funny. Yeah. He's great. He's great in everything, right? I mean, it's kind of 
I almost didn't put them on the list because it's so obvious. It's boring. Like I have Kate Blanchett as well on my list. Like they're always fucking great. And but I think especially for Ray Fiennes, you just never seen him repeat a performance. Yeah. Like just feels like he's always going for the next challenge, and and he's nailing it every time. Yeah. Remember um, when they were trying to make him just like a romantic lead? <laughs> yeah. After English Patients. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's like no. Made in Manhattan. Oh my god. I did not see that. I didn't either. Shockingly, I should have. I bet. I, I bet I'll love it. I, I bet should he watch made it. some good coin. I hope so. Doing that though. I hope so. So you did not have Michelle Yeoh. Well, no, but I do think it's what I want her to win Best Actress. Yeah. I was just trying to maybe. I was also trying to talk about some movies that we probably hadn't talked about yet. Great. So what else? What else do you got? Kate Hudson from Glass Onion, which we already talked about. I was just happy to see her back doing something fun. And not trying so hard to do whatever. And in the crowd that we saw it with, she got several of the biggest laughs yeah. in the movie. Yes, absolutely. Oh, she had one of my favorite lines of the year. And now, of course, I can't remember it. But that's how it goes, Carla. Can't remember <laughs> everything. Um, and then I had Samantha Morton from She Said in the Whale, which we've talked about how amazing she is. And she said, and in the whale. She I forget whether she only has one scene in The Whale as well. It's, it's it is, not, yeah. She's, she's got one scene in two movies. Yeah. And and she has been doing a lot of TV that we haven't seen over the last few years. But it feels like she's just been gone for a while. I'm sure she is not. But right. uh, to have these like two parts, like you just realize what a powerful actress she is. And she's completely different in these two roles. Completely also. different. She's, yeah, she's like next level – she just makes breaks my heart. She's um yeah. I don't know. I have no words. <laughs> Sigh. Um okay, this is hilarious. The last person on my list doesn't make any sense in the context of what we're doing. <laughs> I love it. Who is the last person on your list? Well, I have Michelle Yeoh number 2 and Kate Blanchett number 1. So do you want Kate Blanchett to win? We'll get to that when we do our Oscar picks. Oh right. Okay. So then I'll tell you my next and final person. Okay. Alan Cummings in my old school. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should explain a little bit what my old school is because people may not know. Go go for it. It is this documentary. It's a true story about a guy in – is it Scotland or is it Northern England? I thought it was Scotland. I believe it's in Scotland. In the 90s, 90s, uh, early 90s, it, it doesn't spoil too much to say that he was a grown man who pretended to be a high school student. Yeah. And so he did not want to appear on camera for this documentary. But because he's trying to like – he got plastic surgery, I think. I believe so. I believe he's like persona, persona non grata in all of Scotland and wants to keep a low profile. But he did record extensive interviews and – so they have all of his classmates interviewing them and they're all charming and hilarious and have incredible accents. And stories about and their stories. versions of what happened and why it happened. There was varying degrees of how much he was suspected at the time and how much people bought into it. People who really befriended him and felt, you know, betrayed by him. But his story, he's played in the documentary by Alan Cumming, who dubs Drunk history style, yep. all of his voiceover. And you would not, I mean, at least for the first few scenes, if I didn't know that was the whole gimmick, I would have thought that it was just Alan Cumming talking. Alan Cummings? Cummings or Cumming? Cumming. 
All right. <laughs> um. Anyways, he's just very entertaining. And the reason they cast him to do that was because when they were going to, when they, Hollywood, whatever, was going to make a movie about this story 20 years ago, he was going to play the lead. The movie never happened. So then the filmmakers reached out to him and he agreed to do this. I just love that. I think it's so funny. Um, and he's great in it. And whenever I think of that guy now, I think of Alan Cumming. <laughs> I think it's streaming on Hulu. Highly recommend it. It is in my top 25 for the year. It's so fun. check it out. Yeah. Uh, and then I feel like Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett, we already kind of talked about those movies, but yeah. those are my two favorite performances of the year. They're really neck and neck for best actors for me. So let's do some Oscar picks. Okay. With that in mind. Should we talk about this so that wasn't nominated <laughs> or no? Like what? Well, what? Yeah. The Woman King, which you saw. Yeah. And I tried to watch and couldn't sit through. Yeah. Cause I, Thought it was a Marvel movie at first <laughs> because it came out at the same time as, as Wakanda Forever. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I was confused by that. And um, who was the other one that wasn't nominated that I feel like people are talking about? What was the other one? Is that it? I don't know. Okay. Never mind. I don't remember. I don't remember. For what category? I don't remember. I feel like there's a bunch of backlash going on. Well, uh, also, Danielle Deadweiler was not nominated for Till. Oh, right. Okay. And Andrea Riseborough was nominated for Two Leslie, which was a very kind of obscure film. Which you think I would like. I think you would like it a lot. Mark Maron's in it. And you liked it. I did. I liked it a lot. And I liked her performance. I think she deserved to be nominated. But okay. it made like 25000 at the box office. Oh, right. It basically That's got right. in based on a grassroots campaign uh, right, from right, her right. friends. But like, it's weird because this is art and it's awards and of like, what deserves anything? <laughs> I don't know. But did I like Two Leslie a lot more than I liked The Woman King? I did. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing that I found fascinating about The Woman King is that – what's her face co-wrote it? Maria Bello. Two white ladies wrote it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it feels like it. Who – Maria Bello, who like was nominated for an Oscar like 20 years ago. I think for ago. a Golden Globe. Oh, she wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Never mind. But she was like a big deal. And she then, was. And when you said that, I was like, oh my God, I forgot about that person entirely. Yeah. So I guess she hasn't been acting at all. She just been writing. Just telling uh, telling stories about 19th century uh, West Africa. <laughs> her passion projects that she's always wanted to get out. Yeah. Oh, Craig. So those were not nominated. Here are the things that were nominated. Okay. Uh, in the category Actress in a Supporting Role, we have Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. We have Hong Chow for The Whale. We have Carrie Condon for The Banshees of Inish Aaron. We have Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Stephanie Hsu for everything, everywhere, all at once. The odds makers, mm-hmm. I think, have this is almost a tie three-way race between Carrie Condon, Angela Bassett, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, it felt like when the nominations came out that everyone was like, this is Angela Bassett's year, but I feel like there's maybe some like Marvel backlash now against her. Carrie Condon from won- the Marvel fans, or or you mean just from Oscar voters? From Oscar voters, okay. Uh, Carrie Condon won the BAFTA. Jamie Lee Curtis won the SAG. 
I feel like the tide is now turning in Jamie Lee Curtis's favor. Yeah, I feel like she'll probably win. I think... Although I would like Stephanie Shu to win. My favorite would be Stephanie Shu, and I think Jamie Lee Curtis will win. Yeah, I agree with that. So for supporting actor, you've got... Brendan Gleeson for The Banshees of Inisherin. Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans. Barry Keoghan for The Banshees of Inisherin. Kay Hui Kwan, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Brian Tyree Henry is, he's on Atlanta. He was the crime boss, uh, who was running for mayor in, uh, Widows. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's oh, an excellent, excellent Causeway? actor. Causeway is this movie with Jennifer Lawrence where she is a veteran coming back with oh, PTSD right, right, right. and a brain injury. And she meets this other guy in New Orleans who, uh, has, who's also disabled and they strike up a friendship. So this is kind of similar to To Leslie, where it's this very small indie. It was on Apple TV. That's how I watched it. I thought it was okay. But was he amazing in it? He was amazing in it and was totally deserving of his nomination. Oh, cool. By the way. Would I like that movie? I think it's worth, you know, it's like it's a little, you know, two-hander indie that's not especially amazing. But, like, do you want to see, like, a great performance from somebody? Then check it out. Then check it out. Okay. 16 of the 20 nominees by this way, by the way, are first time nominees. Really? So they're always talking about how there's not enough new blood in at the Oscars. Only four people have ever been previously nominated. Oh, that's great. Judd Hirsch was nominated 42 years ago. Oh my God. For Ordinary People. Uh, Angela Bassett was nominated once for What's Love Got to Do With It 30 years ago. Yeah. And then you have Michelle Williams and Kate Blanchett who've been nominated a bunch. A million times. Um, Michelle Williams has never won. She won't win this year, I don't think. But I think everybody says Kei Kwan will win. Yeah. I agree that he is by far the favorite and I want him to win. I want him to win too. Okay. But I like Brendan Gleeson so much, just to say that. I wouldn't hate it if he won. Yeah. Actor, I think it's a three-way race between Austin Butler, Colin Farrell, and Brendan Gleeson. You also Brendan Fraser. You also have Brendan sorry, Gleeson. Brendan Fraser. You also have Paul Mescal for After Sun. And what the hell is that? Do you know who Paul Mescal is? I don't think so. He is Should from I? Normal PayPal. Oh yeah, yeah. The Irish actor. He's also he was in The Lost Daughter. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's a young Irish actor. Wow. He's nominated for Best Actor? And After Sun, do you remember when we watched that montage of that critic who always does his... Uh, yes. This was his number one movie of the year, After oh, right. Sun. right, right, right. And so it's about a young father and his little girl who are on vacation together. And I guess it's like a memory piece told from her memory as an adult. Wow. How strange. We should watch it. We should watch it. I like that guy. I've seen all the major nominees other than this and Triangle of Sadness, which we're going to watch tonight, maybe? Yeah, we're going to watch it okay. tonight. I know. People are probably – if anybody listens to this, they're going to be like, why didn't you watch Triangle of Sadness yet? So right now the odds makers have Austin Butler, a slight edge over Brendan Fraser. They have Colin Farrell, number three. Really? So So I, that that backlash against Brendan Fraser is for real. I think it's a toss-up. He did win the SAG, but I think Austin Butler's going to pull this out. Wow. 
That's so interesting. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, I, I really liked Austin Butler. I just really didn't like that movie, but that's not fair to him, I guess, to, to judge it on that. So you think Brendan Fraser will win? Or you think Austin Butler? No, I, you've convinced me that I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't read the odds. <laughs> I don't know. Who would you like to see win, Colin Farrell? I would like to see. I don't. There's something that that like underdog story about Brendan Fraser having gone away for so long and having been in like all these B movies that made millions and millions of dollars. That's kind of moving to me. So, and I really cried at his SAG speech. So, yeah, but. Performance-wise, Colin Farrell was probably my favorite performance. I wouldn't be sad if Austin Butler won. He was—he seemed so sweet at the SAG Awards. He was helping everybody get to the stage. <laughs> <laughs> a real gentleman. A real gentleman. Who were the other two? Paul Mescal and who's the Bill thing? Nye. Oh, Bill Nye. I mean, that'd be cool. I'd love to see Bill Nye win. He yeah. won't, but I can't imagine he's going to get – this is his first nomination. I can't imagine he's going to get another one. Yeah. Uh, and he's just been so great for so long. Uh, but I think Colin Farrell of these five gave the best performance. Interesting. Okay. All right. Best actress, it's a two-way race. But we've got Michelle think. Williams for The Fablemans, who many people thought should have been nominated in supporting. We've got Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. you got Andrew Riseborough for Two Leslie. Ana de Armas for Blonde. We've not talked about Blonde. I mean, it felt like torture watching that movie, but... I thought about it for a while after. And we have Kate Blanchett for Tar. Uh, this has been kind of prophesized as a toss up, like always. I think when Tar came out, everyone assumed she was by far and away, but it feels like there's such a groundswell of support for Michelle Yeoh. I think she's going to win. I think she's going to win. And I think that's the right choice. Also, even though I said Kate Blanchett was my number one for the year, she's won twice before. I just think it's way cooler and more interesting and more fun if, if you give it to Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, because she's been around for so long. I mean, she's been working longer than Kate Blanchett, even. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely, as a she has. Professional actress, and but also like all of that aside, I mean, I haven't seen Tar yet, so I can't say for certain. But it's really impressive what Michelle Yeoh does in that movie. It's incredible. One of the prognosticators said, "Of like, it's too bad because these are two great actresses giving the signature performances of their career." Yeah. Um, I bet Kate Blanchett's gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah, but you know, in 1950, neither Gloria Swanson nor Betty Davis won for All About Eve Who or won? for Sunset Boulevard. Uh, Judy Holiday won for Born Yesterday that year. That's absurd. But again, like are like uh, Gloria Swanson and Betty Davis are those like maybe two of the ten greatest performances ever? Like yeah. they're up there, certainly. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's so weird that like neither one of them won. Yeah, for the role that we think first uh, when we think of them. For directing, you have Martin McDonough for Banshees. You've got Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for Everything Everywhere. You've got Steve Steven Spielberg. I think he's a new new guy uh, for the Fablemans. You've got Todd Field for Wait, Tar. What is this for? Directing. Directing. Who's, uh, who's? Oh my God! You're doing a joke. I need more wine. <laughs> I had no. I I thought you were first. I thought you were choking on something. <laughs> I was only joking on something. And then you were joking on something, and I've been on mic for too long. <laughs> you also have Ruben Ostland for Triangle of Sadness. Do you think he's going to win? 
I bet he won't. The prognosticators have the Daniels, the Daniels at three to one and Spielberg at four to one, basically. The Daniels will win. I think the Daniels will win. I would hope so, right? Oh my God. Yeah. They did something I've never seen ever. <laughs> If that doesn't win, then it's not fair. But do you think there's enough of the old guard of Hollywood that, like, we've got to give this to Steven? Well, clearly, since there's no women nominated in this category, there's enough of the old guard of Hollywood. Women are talking, though. Women are talking. I think the Daniels deserve to win, and I think they will win. Great. And picture, you have ten. Ten big nominees including maybe a couple movies we haven't talked about yet all quiet on the western front you see that carla no avatar the way of water did you see that carla what a piece of shit by the way (laughs) maybe the stupidest movie i've ever seen in my life i'm not gonna waste my precious life minutes on that (laughs) so of these 10 nominees five of them are in my top 10 for the year as well uh there's Top Gun Maverick, which I thought, like, yeah, that was cool. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, but, like, not make, not in my top 25 for the year. Aquarium on the Western Front was, like, uh, it was, like, effective. You like, why, why are you making it? Like, there's a little bit of a rumor that that could be a winner, but I just don't see that well, happening. No, it's not winning. And you got two movies I despised, Avatar The Way of Water and Elvis, and The Triangle of Sadness I haven't seen yet. So, one more time. All Quiet, Avatar, Banshees, Elvis, Everything Everywhere, Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking, The Oddsmakers Have Everything Everywhere, followed by Banshees, followed by All Quiet. What the fuck are they talking about? Who even saw that besides you? Well, I think a lot of technical people saw it. I think it is going to win some of the technical awards this year. Like maybe sound, maybe music, maybe visual effects. Like it does have in the technical branches a lot of support. Cinematography, editing, like it's up for so all of those. So women talking is not even in the running, huh? It is for best picture, yeah. No, but I mean like – No, no it's major. not going to win, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not going to win. <laughs> uh, don't so expl- obviously – Don't mansplain my women talking. I've shown my hand already. Although Tar was my favorite movie, I think Everything Everywhere is the choice. I think it will win. It's the right choice, and I'm rooting for it. Why is it the right choice if the other one was your favorite? Because, like, nobody's going to get excited about Tar winning. (laughs) Except for you. Right. I, I, I mean, it, it's it, believe me, a lot of people are going to have it very, you know, because the Oscar voters have to rank it in order of preference, right? right. So a lot of people are going to have Tar in the ninth or tenth spot. Right, right. You know, uh, I think, again, like some of the older voters are going to be anti everything everywhere, but I think it's so beloved by so many people. And again, like you want so a movie that like yeah. 20 years Maybe. later to be like, can you believe that one? Isn't that cool? Yeah. You yeah. know, like I don't love Rocky. <laughs> but I think it's cool that Rocky won. And I think for people who love Rocky, of like they can look back and have like, Rocky beat Taxi Driver and Network and all the President's Men, you know? That seems insane to me. It does seem insane, <laughs> but I, rarely do they go for the fun choice. And I think there's a fun choice that's actually a great crowd-pleasing and deep and original and innovative movie. I think it just checks a lot of boxes there. Great. Like Coda won last year. We liked Coda a lot. Yeah. It's a tearjerker, but it's not 
innovative right, or right. revolutionary. Right. You know, it was just Story. like, yeah. it, uh, it set all that it set out to do. It hit all that it set out to do and it was moving and kind of unique and, and sweet. But like 20 years from now, people are going to be like, what was that? Oh yeah. Coda. That was weird. You know, there's always like a post Oscar backlash win for, for kind of like smaller movies like that. Can I, like, can you believe that Coda won? Like, I don't think Why any- are you wrapping up our podcast with so much Coda hate? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for all of our death listeners. Just, it took there. a real weird turn here. At I the liked end. Coda a lot. We <laughs> I didn't, don't know. I think we've lost the point. <laughs> we didn't get to do our top 10 of 2021, yeah. but it was definitely in my top 10 for the year. Yeah. I hear you, but yeah, it's unique. Everything everywhere all at once is a very, very unique movie. Okay, Carla, do you have a little more time to talk? <sighs> oh, are we almost done? I've got two surprises. Okay. Okay. Well, we can't do an episode of Craigslist without a little bit of a segment we like to call Carla's Quotes. <laughs> oh, no. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's Quotes. What did you quote me on? Trying well, to get me to do this podcast? To I wish that I, I was taking down your quotes for like one of the movies that we talked about, like Banshees of Venice Sharon or, or She Said, but I did manage to get a few quotes from movies that you were watching over the past couple of months. <laughs> a little burp, a little water burp. <laughs> Here's a movie that you watch every Christmas, uh, that we also covered on this podcast, a little movie called Home Alone. What? <laughs> So you know when Kevin goes down uh, to the uh the basement and uh the the furnace starts like mocking him and, and laughing at him? Yeah. You said he's an adult now. He does laundry. He's not afraid of that. <laughs> that was that was literally like two and a half months ago that we watched that. I know. I I've been holding on to these quotes all that time. <laughs> I can't believe you said it. Joe Pesci should have won an Academy Award for this. He should have. I said, but he did win that year, and you said, but he should have won for this. <laughs> And I was right. Talk about things that are memorable versus things that are forgettable. When the wet bandits are hanging from the wire, you said that takes a lot of upper body strength that those guys do not have. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you're pulling out Home Alone quotes on me. Well, we had to do some some (laughs) Carlos quotes. Okay. And this is from a couple weeks ago. You were watching one of your all-time favorites, Kenneth Branagh, in Much Ado About Nothing. And as much ado about nothing, this is the Shakespearean uh, rom-com. Yes. Uh, the best. You know, you you just, you swooned over this movie. I love it I so can't much. believe we never covered it on Carla's I list. I can't either. Like it we should have, we should have covered it. Yeah. Um, so up top, as everyone's coming out, you said, look at all the handsome men and the handsome ladies and the handsome horse. <laughs> what? So there's a scene where all the men are bathing nude. And you said, look at all those balls. <laughs> That's not a quote. You said it. You said it, and I'm quoting it verbatim. You're just saying it because I said balls. It was funny. Uh, Branna is doing a lot of kind of slapstick bits uh-huh. in this. And there's a, there's a minute, there's a moment where he falls in the chair and you said, good bit, good bit. <laughs> and then, uh, there's something where he does a monkey call, maybe? No, it's a bird. He goes, he, it does sound like a monkey as I'm about to do it because now you have that. Let me hear. Okay. Yeah. All right. Monkey call, bird call, it's a whatever. Bird. 
After that, you said, that's a good bit. This is how I learned to do comedy. <laughs> it's true. I watched, I know the whole movie by heart, <laughs> as you, as you know. So that's just a little bit for, uh, I know you Craig's listeners wanted to hear some Carla's quotes. So <laughs> there they are. Both movies from 1991. <laughs> Carla, I've got one other special treat. Okay. For our listeners, which is, is Tom Hanks here. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, you've been hiding behind the curtain all this time. Sorry about all we said about Elvis. <laughs> we still love you though. <laughs> and your performance is Colonel Tom Parker. What was that accent, by the way? <laughs> Tom, I haven't seen you since I made latkes for you on Hanukkah, but, uh, it's time to, no, Tom Hanks is not here. Sorry. Uh, but whenever we start doing this podcast, I don't know. Seven years ago, Oof. Uh, yeah, you know, this was to watch my 100 favorite movies and then to revise, revise the list yep. do the new version of the list, which is something I try to do every 10 years or so. And we were kind of re- revising it as the podcast went on. But then in order to, you know, do the new list, I have to take movies out. I have to put new movies in. I have to watch candidates, you know. I didn't make you sit and watch all the possible candidates with me over the last few years, but I do have a new Craigslist top 100. Amazing. Um, one of our friends, by the way, as they were asking about the podcast and I was telling him of like, yeah, yeah, we're going to, you know, record an episode where I revealed the new list. And he's like, and is that like a, a new set of 100 movies? And I was like, Oh no. That's what I thought too at first. <laughs> what? Yeah. Like, what would be the point? Like, these are my favorite movies. Right. No, I see, as you, as you pointed out, I realize how dumb of a question it is. <laughs> but I, I wasn't totally sure at first when you said that. Okay. So, in, in case you're curious, there's not that much change between the 100 movies that we covered on the podcast and the 100 movies that are now. On the list. In fact, there are 11 differences. Okay. So 11 movies came out. 11 movies are in. By the way, if you're on Letterboxd. uh, Should we do these 11 movies? We could. I I would be in for 11. I was afraid (sighs) it was like half new stuff. Are you saying you don't want to reveal the new list? Instead, we'll cover these movies? Yes. Now, actually, two of them we covered. Because they were on my list? One of them was, and one of them... Soap dish. (laughs) Was it soap dish? It's not soap dish. Okay. Um, But you're kind of... What's that? What's up, Doc? No. Uh, But but you are kind of throwing me for a loop here. Well, Um, I didn't know it was only 11. I would do 11. now, And if there's only nine, even better. I would do nine. (laughs) Okay. Well, but I think we, we should still reveal them for the people who are listening. Okay. So we'll just, we'll just give you the broad strokes of the changes. If you are on Letterboxd, you can go and look at the entire list. By the way, I have my top 25 for every year since 1989 on there. I have my top 50 of the aughts. I have my top 50 of the tens. I have all Coen Brothers movies ranked. I have all Spielberg movies ranked. I have my 100 honorable mention movies. So of like, if you follow me on Letterboxd, you can see all of the Craig's lists. And I only recently published the new top 100. Um, so one question that I know is on everyone's mind is, uh, is how much Woody Allen? 
What's the Woody Allen situation? <laughs> and I can tell you that of the 11 movies that came out, three of them were wow. by the Woodman. Wow. So Zelig, out. Wow. Manhattan, out. Good for you, Craig. Crimes and Misdemeanors, out. People can learn and change. <laughs> Manhattan, by the way, was the biggest faller because it was number eight on the list. Now, not on the list. Good for you. I know. I still can't. It's hard. Hannah and her sisters is a hard one to let go of. I understand. So there's still four movies, but he no longer is the filmmaker with the most movies. Good. Spielberg is now? Spielberg is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, also out. Blue Velvet. Yes! <laughs> And don't think that your thoughts on things were not a factor in what left the list. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Out. The Rules of the Game. Out. Todd Cooper. We did our job in 2016. (laughs) So you remember what that is. In 2016. Yeah. Tucker, the Man in His Dream. Out. Dances with Wolves. Out. I didn't even rewatch it. Accidental Tourist. Interesting. Out. Oh, that was with. Jackson, Jackson. Right? you both hated it. Yeah. Did I hate it? You did. Really? P- Pinocchio. Out with Jamie Moyer. <laughs> and Snow White was with Stephen James. Yep. So old Disney is out. Good A lot of Woody Allen is out. Some other movies that Carla didn't like are out. In. So, you know, I've been keeping a list since I was a teenager, by the way. So there's been many incarnations of the list. So there's three movies that had been on my list the entire time, and for whatever reason, I took them off. Okay. And it was ridiculous, and now they're all back in. Uh Uh-oh. So one of those was a Carla's List movie, When Harry Met Sally. Oh, of course. Why wouldn't it be on your list? Yeah. So it was just a bonehead mistake by me. Another one, we kind of – we did watch it. When we watched Star Wars, we also watched The Empire Strikes Back. I put The Empire Strikes Back back on my list as well. Oh, isn't that this usually the best – that everyone believes that's the best Star Wars movie. I still like Star Wars, A New Hope, slightly better. <laughs> but The Empire Strikes Back, now back on the list, as okay. it always had been from the time I saw it, the first week it came out in 1980. I don't know what I was thinking, leaving it off the list. Okay. The other one that had always been on my list, I took off for some reason, put it back in, The Manchurian Candidate. Really? The Denzel Washington one? Just no. no, this would be the Frank Sinatra, Angela Lansbury one. Which, by the way, I'm rewatching Murder, She Wrote, and it is flipping delightful. <laughs> well, do you want to watch the old Manchurian Candidate? I would do that. Have you seen it? I've never seen it. Well, we got to do an episode then okay, on that. Okay, I would totally okay. do that. So the other new blood, um, I have – this is actually interesting because some of my favorite filmmakers – have their very first appearance on my list. My first movie by Paul Thomas Anderson. Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, you know that because you know what my favorite PTA movie is. It's Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. Which I also love Magnolia and Boogie Nights and a lot of the others. But for some reason, I have a special spot in my heart for Punch Drunk Love. It's a sweet movie. Now on Craig's list. I have my first Spike Lee. Uh, do the Right Thing? You'd think. Well, what is it? It's Malcolm X. Oh, which I've never seen. I would watch that too. Okay. Then we got to do an episode on Malcolm X. I've always meant to see that, so I would like to watch that. I have my first Ong Lee. Sense and Sensibility. No, but that would be on your list. 
<laughs> oh, did we cover that one when it was my turn? No, we've never covered it. Um, hold on. Let me guess which we one. We could it do is. an Ang Lee double feature. I'd be happy to talk about Sense and Sensibility. It's such a good movie. Um, he's such a versatile filmmaker. So hold on. What's the Jewel movie? Not that one. It's not the Kevin Klein Sigourney Weaver one. It's not Brokeback Mountain. It's fudge. The Hulk. <laughs> it's Ang Lee's The Hulk. <laughs> No, it's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, of course. Of course. Okay, so that's on the list now. I have my first Alfonso Cuaron. Itu, is that him? Itu Mama Tambien? Yeah. Nope. I've never seen it. What is it? Roma. Oh, of course. I love Roma. So and Roma is actually the highest debut of a new film on Craigslist. It's in at number 41. It's so good. It's so really good. Yeah, but I don't, I think we probably talked about it in our best of the year for yeah, that we did, year. For sure. Um, but we could do a whole Craigslist episode on it. That's one of my favorite movies. And I never think to say that when people ask me. Okay. So, so yeah, let's do that one. I have my first Christopher Nolan. Um, Memento. Nope. Um, the one where they're walking on ceilings. <laughs> Inception? Inception. Nope. Um, Batman, one of the Batmans. None of the Batmans. What the hell else did he do? What is it? The Prestige. Oh, right. Which I've seen once and thought was good, but don't remember anything it's about it. It's so good. I've also read the novel recently as well, which is also so good. And it's just one of those puzzle box movies that gets better every time you see it. Career best performances by Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale. Uh, it's uh, It's my favorite Nolan, and it's on the list. And I have a second Wes Anderson to go with Rushmore. Oh, um, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Grand Budapest Hotel. Yep. Is Such a good movie. Also a high debut. I think I have it around number 50. I've got a second Cameron Crowe. Almost famous. Of course, almost famous. One of I my don't favorites. know why it had never been on the list before. These are a lot of my favorites. I like the influence. <laughs> so there's maybe a little, little bit of, uh, of Carla, uh, on the list. And this w- last one is definitely not Carla inflected, but it's by Andrew Dominic, who also made, uh, Blonde. The Assassination of Jesse James oh, by the coward Robert Ford. I really enjoyed that movie. Which is surprising because it's, it's very, very shocking. That very I long, it. very slow, very male. Yeah. It's, it's shocking that I liked that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm equally shocked. But that's got like kind of a all time, uh, best cinematography. Yes. Uh, by the dude. Deacons? By Roger Deacons. Yeah. So those are the new 11 movies on Craig's list. (laughs) Also on my honorable mention list, I now have several Carla's list movies that I didn't have before. I have Beetlejuice, A Christmas Story, Dirty Rotten Scandrels, The Others, What's Up Doc. And I don't think we covered this as a Carla's list movie, but Adaptation you had recently watched and loved. And I watched it as well and put it on uh, my honorable mention list. So... There you go. All right. I think we just started our podcast again. <laughs> Are you excited to be back? I'm excited. Okay. Well, it sounds like we have nine movies that we could talk about yeah. that are new entries on Craig's List. So, Craig's listeners, thank you for your patience. If you're still subscribing after all these years. If you're still listening after all these two hours. If you're still listening after these two hours, good on you. <laughs> 
Definitely. <laughs> uh, you're probably not hearing this before the actual Oscars, so uh, I hope you're amused by how wrong or by how correct all of our picks were. Uh, I'd like to thank Ken Plume for, as always, remastering the sound. Jonathan Dinerstein for the themes you wrote uh, for our podcast. They're uh, they're always wonderful and add so much flavor and character. And Ari for our image. Ari for our image that we're still using after all these years. It's good to be back, Carla. <laughs> I can't believe I agree. I had too much wine. <laughs> well, this is the, the best way to get you to agree to do more episodes is to ply <laughs> you with wine. The list is an absolute good. The list is life.